0: in First Timothy chapter 1. And I'll be reading verse 12 to the end of the chapter. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me in that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Nevertheless, for this cause, I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them who should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which pointed to thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. of whom are Hermenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for the words of God which lead us to everlasting life. We thank you, Father, that you sent your only begotten Son into this world to die for our sins. Lord, it's hard for us to even fathom what that means, except to know him by faith and to realize of the grace of God, we truly are able to walk with Christ, for he brings us out of the world of sin into a world of faith. So I pray, Father, that you will bless your word to our hearts this day, that we may be edified by it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I suppose this passage is one which really is necessary for us to learn, perhaps even to memorize, as uh, we sometimes do memorize passages of Scripture. Um, And so it is a wonderful thing to think about what Christ has done for us. And uh, because of uh, what he has done, I simply entitled the message today, Jesus Came to Save Sinners. Paul declares that Jesus saved him and that he was the chiefest of sinners. And so it reminds us how even those who are most uh, godly sometimes uh, come to the uh, point in their lives where they realize that they have not altogether followed God and believed Him, nor have they in any way lived that godly life that they claim that they know. Paul was a, a Pharisee. I mean, if there was anybody who could call himself righteous in the sense of that's Jewish... Community of people called Pharisees. Paul was one of them. He sat at the feet of one of the noted teachers of the day, Gamaliel, and he learned the law and he lived it out. And so as we think about that, here is one who was uh, at the top of the elite within the religious community of the Jewish people, and yet after he came to know Christ as his savior, he called himself a sinner, a chief, chiefest of sinners. And so where does that leave us when we recognize one as godly as Paul had in his station as being a Pharisee? Well, it is, uh, of course, noted in the Scripture that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and there is none righteous, no, not one. But the, though the wages of sin are death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We'd like to look at these several areas here in this passage, though they are familiar to us. Jesus counts us faithful when we yield to Him. When we yield to Him. You see, we are not faithful in ourselves. God is faithful. And we know that our Savior is truly faithful in all that he did as he came to die for the sins of the world. But until we yield to the Lord, we are not faithful. We may attend church. We may keep the the laws and the commandments that we know to love one another, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to do good unto others various kinds of things that we perhaps have been taught through life or in Sunday school or reading the Bible but still they do not make us faithful only as we yield ourselves to Christ do we come to a place where we can serve him and be faithful in that capacity and even then of course we fall short in ourselves we have to trust in Christ do not and know him as our savior and lord well, so we find that Jesus counts us faithful when we yield to him. When we yield to him. And we'll look at that a little more closely in a moment. Jesus gives grace, faith, and love that our overflows in our lives. He gives grace, faith, and love. Here's another three um, of these uh, blessings that God gives. He gives grace, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. He gives faith, faith that is true faith to know him and to believe in him. And of course, love, the love of God, which is beyond our comprehension. And so we begin to understand what these three are all about when we come to walk with the Lord it takes a while for us to learn them and it may even take a lifetime but we know that it is all that complex when it comes to understanding these three, grace, faith and love because they're not really secular terms and they're biblical terms and because they are biblical terms we must trust in God to learn and to understand about them so Jesus gives faith, grace, and love, and He talks about it, that in verse 14. Uh, thirdly, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, showing His long suffering toward us as an example to others who should believe in Him. Now that's a quite a long statement, but it is one that uh, in 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 just the Apostle Paul was getting at. Uh, here is Paul. Of course, he was. He was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the church of God, against the the followers of the way, against those who had believed in Jesus. He was was killing these very people. And when the Lord encountered him on the road to Damascus, he struck him down, spoke to him, and in a very miraculous way, of course, he changed his whole uh, point of view. His worldview became altogether different. And uh, he came to faith. He came to realize, realize who Christ was. He was the Savior. He was the one, the promised Messiah from the Old Testament. And he came to die for the sins of the world, you see. And so you talk about God being long-suffering to us would. And uh, as we read in Second Peter three nine about the long-suffering of God to us would, and that he does not want any to perish, well, when we think about that, just think about your own life and how God has, has uh, through great long-suffering, brought you also to faith in Christ. And as you recognize that other people are watching your walk of faith, looking at you, and they probably see you know, some inconsistencies along the way, as we all have them, and they may even say that uh, you're not that good as you, person as you think you are, You know, people like to do that when when they don't believe and when they're going their own way in life. But then when God uses something like his love and grace to change a person's life, all of a sudden, they realize the long-suffering of God and they are greatly moved by it, realizing that they too are sinners. And so God uses this as an example I can imagine, you know, they, these Jewish people looked at the Apostle Paul and they said, God is long-suffering to you and you were the one who was chasing after the believers and you were wanting to, to capture them and put them in jail and maybe even to uh, kill them. And God is long-suffering to you. And uh, once they came to the realization of this and that they saw Paul for what he was, he had completely turned around. He was now preaching Christ. He was now really serving God in a very servant-like way. It must have been speaking volumes to them that God was long-suffering. God is long-suffering. And this is what I think we should also remember even in our own case, you know, because we all know ourselves better than anybody else and so as we look at our own lives and we see the faults and failings we have should not we also recognize that God is long-suffering to us and that we should be an example to others that others might come to faith in Jesus so here is uh, some important truths as we think about it here so let's begin in verse 12 and 13 and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me in that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. He counted me faithful. Now that word faithful is not the same word as faith. This, the word for faith means to believe. This particular word here has to do with the sense of one yielding to Christ. Christ or assenting to one assenting to somebody in other words when Paul realized who Christ really was he yielded to the Lord what must I do Lord the, idea, the concept is what must I do once he, once he was struck down on the road to Damascus and, and God had all of a sudden made him blind and he alone was hearing the words of, of the Lord Jesus, not the people around him. And he was immediately affected by that, of course, that he was somehow brought into the relationship with another man on, called Ananias. And God also used that man to lift the, the scales, as it were, from off his eyes, His blindness, uh, his sight came back to him. God worked in a very unique manner to show Paul that he was truly the Son of God. And what did Paul do? He assented to believe. He yielded to believe. And this word faithful doesn't mean that Paul was somehow meritorious in any way. It meant that he believed. He yielded to, the, to what Christ was, had done to him. He says he couldn't deny it anymore, you see. He couldn't deny it. You know, sometimes it takes that kind of thing, doesn't it? When a person comes to faith in Christ, it comes to a point where they cannot deny anymore that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And what happened in the Apostle Paul's life was that God immediately commissioned him to go into the ministry and to become a servant to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. So, as you look at that verse, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry he counted him faithful one who believed one who trusted one who yielded so it is the word away not the word this but that's just a technical um, tidbit but Paul had no faithfulness of his own but he yielded that God made him faithful And you see, that's what happens in our lives, too. Only when we yield to Jesus are we made faithful. Only when we yield to Jesus. In coming to faith in Christ, we must yield to Jesus and believe. In our servanthood and walk with God, we must also yield to Jesus. Over the years, I've noticed only the people who have a real burden to do something in the ministry... Sir, you can't you can't co-works anybody into it. You can't coddle them in the sense of, well, I can just if I can only work my way around them enough, I can get them to do what I want them to do. It doesn't work. Someone must have a burden to do what they what they do. And where do they get their burden from? They yield unto the Lord. You say, Lord, I I don't know as I can do this, but if you want me to do it, I'll do it. And just because they yield to the Lord, all of a sudden they become willing servants. And they begin to serve. You know, that's where Paul was. All of a sudden, he realized who Jesus really was. And he yielded to him. And God counted him faithful and and put him into the ministry. You see, he put him into the ministry people who go into the ministry themselves and are, and are not really brought to that station because God has doing a work in their life a kind of professional clergy you might say they're just, you know, they're professionals they, it's like being a doctor, a lawyer, an Indian chief or, you know, they, they're professional in what they're doing they're, but they're not really the kind of servants that you need you know, over over the years, I've seen different people who went into the ministry to serve the Lord, and they were quite—they're all quite unique. Everybody is different who goes into the ministry and wants to serve the Lord. They don't not only look different, they speak differently, they have different gifts, different abilities, and some of those gifts and abilities, you would say, I'm amazed that God uses them because they are so unique the people are so unique in themselves but God puts them into the ministry you see you know if God ever calls you to the ministry it will be that way it will be that way you won't won't say oh I have this gift or I have that gift so I'm going to be a great minister I'm going to be a great servant no it doesn't work that way you may have gifts and abilities but if you have them God will use them when he gets ready So I would encourage you to recognize that. Secondly, Jesus gives grace, faith, and love that overflows into our lives. Let's look at verse uh, 13. Who was before, well, let's see, back up here just a little bit. Um, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enable me in that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry and now he's talking, because he's continuing talking about himself, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus so Paul says he put me into the ministry I was ignorantly doing what I was doing he didn't know who Jesus was he didn't understand that he was the true Messiah of God he rather was a persecutor but he says I obtained mercy God extended him mercy and we all know that that is an attribute that only God can do because of who he is as being truly holy and just He alone can extend mercy When you come before the judge The judge is the only one who can extend mercy in the court of law The prosecutor, or the defendant or Any other parties in the court They can't do it Only the judge You see And Jesus is our judge and Jesus is the one who is able to extend mercy. And, and God did that in, through Jesus Christ to the apostle. Because, apostle says, I did it ignorantly in unbelief. In unbelief. And so we realize that that's where we are in our unsafe condition, by the way. We're ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. Of course, the word abundant here means to be overflowing and, and superabundant in all things. Um, but he says, with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And so what does Christ do? Because, he, because we are in unbelief at the time, before we come to faith in Christ, what does he do? He extends to us what we don't have. The grace of God, the faith that we need to believe, as faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and he extends to us love. The love of God. The Agape love of God. And and so we find that this is what this is that superabundance that he talks about. This is this that overflowing aspect of of what he does is he extends these three very important Things to us that are of God. Grace, faith, and love, which we are completely devoid of previous to coming to faith in Christ. And so the apostle realized this. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. The grace, faith, and love. These are the three that he mentions. And he says, which is in Christ Jesus. There's no mistaking where it comes from. It's in Christ Jesus. And, and so we, we realize this, that it is so important for us to realize what Christ has given to you. He's what, this is what Christ has given to you and given to me. Faith, grace, and love. And he has done this in a very free and abundant way. And that we have them at our disposal to tap into and to realize that they are the greatest blessings that we can can have. Except by the grace of God, you know, we would be altogether different than what we are if you have come to faith in Christ. If you have not yet come to faith in Christ, and you have not yet realized of the true depths of what grace, faith, and love are all about. But if when you do when you do, then you realize what that is, even though you haven't perhaps recognized the fullness of it yet, they are there. It's, it this grace, faith, and love is is available to us. God doesn't just extend it once. There there is available to us as a resource at all times that we might walk with Him and and learn and trust in the Lord. And so this is this is part of that. This is a faithful saying, he goes on to say, for the last section here, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, showing long-suffering toward us as an example to others who should believe in him. And he puts it this way, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and he says, of whom I am chief. Nevertheless, for this cause, for this very cause, he says, I obtained mercy, God extended that mercy to him, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering. You see, God's longsufferingness brings us to repentance and faith. And he says that. What for? For a pattern to them who should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. See, the Apostle Paul was making it his lifelong purpose to go out and to preach the gospel to others. And so, in that extent, he would be an example to others, to bring others to Jesus Christ. Now, the Apostle, of course, could write this because he is an Apostle of the Lord. He, he, He was called of God. He was sent out by the Lord. And sometimes we kind of shy away from making such a bold statement about ourselves because we don't think that we can possibly accomplish this very thing—to to be an ex- to be such an example of the long suffering of God that others would believe. You see, but that is in effect really where all of us are—that God might use us in some way to be an example to those who would believe on the Lord. And that's kind of a it puts a lot of pressure on us, I suppose, to think about that. And I suppose we do. But at the same time, let us remember that it is only Christ who can work through us. And so your life, though you may say, well, you're not that significant, you may say, I don't I'm not in, I'm not in the center of things where other people are going to Uh, recognize me as being this, this believer that they're just going to want to follow the Lord but you should put that out of your thinking and recognize that if God puts you in the right place at the right time to plant the seed he can water it and he can bring forth the increase sometimes we work in a very small area of the vineyard so to speak but God has put us there for a reason. He has put us there that we might till that particular area and cultivate it. And at some point, God will take all of that which we are, which He has allowed us to do, and He will make it to bring forth fruit. And according to His purpose in salvation, unto eternal life to those who believe. And so that one person or more that God has, has uh, brought your way at some moment in time may be the one that will come to faith in Christ. You may not even be aware of it. You may be just involved in the process. But even, the, even a pastor in the church doesn't know many times the impact that is going on through the ministry. He just does the work just plows in the right direction that the Lord has has told him tries to be that servant that God has indicated tries to be that one who yields unto the Lord and then at some point in time the pastor realizes that certain people are walking with the Lord trusting in Jesus someone has said how do you know so and so is saved? well they seem to be coming out to church every Sunday they come to prayer meeting they come to Bible study they want to know more about Jesus they want to live for the Lord and there's something going on in that person's life and the, God is the one who was doing it you see and so it becomes God who is truly maneuvering through our lives and working in the hearts and lives of people and bringing them to that place where they have faith and trust in Him. And Paul knew that. He Paul knew that. Nevertheless, for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them who should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. And so, what is the pattern? Well... Probably, first of all, that they all heard and witnessed the fact that Paul was struck down on the road to Damascus, that God spoke to him, that he did a miracle in his life, and because of that miracle, he was completely changed. Completely changed. Someone said that our witness for the Lord is perhaps the most powerful thing that we can give for the Lord. That is how we come to faith in Christ. And so if if you can share your witness, how you came to faith in Christ, people can't argue against it. All they can do is think about it. And perhaps that in itself would be a great testimony for the Lord. Verse 17, he brings this uh, kind of benediction, if you will, one that really stands out in the scripture. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. A very wonderful passage which uh, he uses to kind of put an exclamation point at the end of his statement, you might say. And then he says, I charge, I commit unto, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies, the word of God, which pointed to thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Oh, there's this there's uh, I suppose when you think about this whole idea of Timothy, well, how did Timothy come to faith in Christ? Well, he evidently came to faith because Paul was a witness to him, and may have even personally been the one to lead him to the Lord, except that we know Christ had to do it, just like it was in his life, just like it is in your life. And then he goes on to say that thou, that you... By them might war a good warfare. That you, by them, that you by this fact that you were saved, that God had worked in your life, that God had ordained you, that God had set you as, also as an example, just like me, is that you might war a, good war, war a good warfare. Now, see, that's where we really end up, isn't it? As, a, as believers, we have to war a good warfare. We have to put on the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the, uh, girded about with the truth of the, of the word of God. All of those things that we know, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, all these things that we know, that we might war, a good warfare. That we might be good soldiers. That we might go out and do the work that God has, has called us to do. Holding faith and a good conscience which some having put away concerning faith he says have made shipwreck they lived a very scattered and bad life about it and ended up in a heap and he mentions two different people here Armelians and Alexander which he had turned over to God in a sense he had said to them you know I kind of washed his hands of them, so to speak, and said, God has to work in your life, and so Satan is going to really have his way with you for a while until you wake up and smell the coffee, so to speak, you know. Um, He turned them over to Satan. You know, some people go down that road, don't they? Some people can go down the road, they'll hit a bump in the road and and they'll have a little incident and then, you know, they, well, recover. Other people will go down that road and they'll hit the same bump in the road every single time. And they'll they'll even crash so bad that they don't seem to come out of it. And there's nothing more that can be done except to pray for them. And it's sometimes those who crash and burn like that, you know, they they don't recover very quickly, if ever. Doesn't, but it doesn't mean that God isn't able to do it. He just needs to do a lot of work in their lives, I guess. Well, he says, Of whom are Hermanius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan... That they may learn not to blaspheme. Well, as we think about uh, what we've been talking about here, it all begins with the Lord Jesus, who came and died for our sins according to the scriptures. It, it, it comes down to our yielding to Him, whether or not we can be that servant that God wants us to be and be proven to be faithful. Whether or not we can be that example to others that God wants us to be because we are walking with the Lord. Whether or not we are able to make a little exclamation point at the end of our witness as well and say, all glory be to God who has brought me unto this life of faith that I may praise Him. May God be glorified forever and forever. Amen. Our faith must rest alone in Christ. And so we become believers who are Christocentric. Christ is at the center of our walk with the Lord. And we're faithful not because of us, but because of Him. And we have a witness not because we are so good, but because God is so long-suffering to us with that he allows us to have a testimony for him. And so let us close with that and give thanks to the Lord, shall we? Or shall we pray? Loving Lord, we do thank you for your blessing. Thank you, Father, for these words to us. Pray, Father, that you'll bring them to our hearts and cement them to us. Lord, you alone are the one that can impress these things to us in such a way that they will be truly profitable for your a long-suffering to us would not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto salvation. Lord, we ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, For our closing hymn, let's turn to uh, 256. Because he lives... This is one that's, of course, is it, a great blessing to sing, 256, because he lives. We just cue it up here. Would you dismiss us in prayer? Holy Father, we thank you for the word of God today. We thank you, Lord, for that grace, that faith, that love, Lord, that you showed when you died on the cross for our sins. We thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask a blessing upon your word to our hearts. May you keep us, Lord, this week as we go about the business of the Father. We pray, Lord, that we be your ambassadors, bringing glad- glory to your name, Lord, and also preaching Jesus.